This is the Great IO Get Together, originally recorded on YouTube Live. Although you can listen to the show as a podcast, you only get the full experience by visiting thegig.online/youtube. It's time for your viewing pleasure, the online show that will change how you think about online shows. Welcome to the Great I.O. Get-Together! On tonight's show, fun and excitement like you won't believe. The thrills, the chills. Now join me in welcoming your hosts and mine, Richard and Tara! Thank you so much, Pete. Welcome, everyone, to the great IO get-together, number eight, take two. IO is a mad, 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 mad world with Scott Highhouse. My name is Richard. This is my co-host, Tara. How are you doing, Tara? Do you have any random facts for us today? You know, I know that you love the random facts, so I thought I'd give you a choice today. Do you want to know about giraffe weevils, or do you want to know about kleptomaniac birds? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, choice. Take your time. Uh, let's, let's go bird fact. Oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, so apparently, uh, birds love hair, like human hair and mammal hair. And then the new study is watching birds like steal hair off of living creatures without being detected. So look out is all I'm saying. Invest in some hats. It's very cute. I recommend it. The hat recommendation for, for all our, uh, all of our viewers. Lest your hair be stolen in the middle of the night by a, by a rogue kleptomaniac bird. Wow. Well, uh, on that happy note to start us off, uh, for those of you that haven't joined us before, we are recording these live. Should be pretty obvious by now. Uh, So we can take your questions live on the show. Uh, You'll get the most out of live gigs by joining our Discord community where you can chat with fellow IOs, that's students, academics, practitioners, uh, during the show or really anytime you want. You can find out more details about that at thegig.online. All of our regular shows, and this one is no exception, have two halves. In the first half, we have a little bit of fun. Uh, second half, we get a little bit more serious, all with our guests of the day. So at the top of today's gigs, IO Mad Libs. And if you've never played Mad Libs before, it is the premier phrasal template word game for the ages, which is a direct quote from Wikipedia. Uh, our lucky guest today, and technically our first repeat guest, is... Dr. Scott Highhouse, professor of psychology at Bowling Green State University, Ohio eminent scholar and resident IO science practice rabble rouser extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, great to be here. Thanks a lot again. Uh, (laughs) Great to be here. Yes. Last time uh, Scott was on the show, we had a a rousing game of Mad Libs. Took about 30 minutes. Turned out that uh, it's just the three of us. Uh, We had a full show and no one saw it. So we're going to try that again this time. Um, this time with an audience, uh, please let us know you're there by posting in the uh, in Discord or in our YouTube live chat. Um, the goal of our Mad Libs game is essentially to be as wacky as possible. So I'm going to be asking uh, for a series of words from both Tara and Scott, uh, one after the other. We'll fill in some IO relevant text, uh, and I will, at the end of that, be asking them to guess the original source of the template that I removed words from in order to make it. Uh, these are all different from the version of this that no one saw, so this is all brand new. Um, oh no! Yep. And after the uh, break, 
we will chat a little bit more seriously with Scott about his work on science practice gap and IO. Uh, all right, everybody ready? Yeah, ready? we'll try to uh, make it less raunchy this time. <laughs> We're down it, was, it was scandalous. I was blushing last time. That's true. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's 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 find out. <laughs> uh, uh, first, I need an adjective. Oh, who do you want to start? Oh, uh, uh, Scott can start us off. I think uh, white. All right. Uh, noun for a type of person, plural. Uh, kleptomaniac. <laughs> nice save. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, another. Need another type of person, plural noun. Oh, jeez. Um, I didn't know this was going to be so hard this time. Barons. Uh, <laughs> barons? Like me? Yeah, uh, like uh, rich barons. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, uh, adjective. Uh, vigorous. Mm. All right. Noun? Uh, ego depletion. Wow. All right. We'll do it. Uh, singular noun for a person's role or job. What? Uh, <laughs> they're so specific. <laughs> um, scientist? Banana scientist. <laughs> Nat scientist. Uh, an acronym. Oh, MAD. M A D. Job title. Wait, did you skip acronym? Was it MAD the acronym? Yeah, MAD. Oh, gotcha. Okay, job title mm -hmm. again. Uh, data scientist. Okay. Oh, One more. Another job. Yeah. Another job title. Uh, a plumber. Nice. One more job title. Uh, a train conductor. Interesting. Boilermaker. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boilermaker. <laughs> and a noun. Um. Uh, a worm. All right. <laughs> uh, so again, the goal here is to figure out what the original source of this might have been. So, and there's some pretty big clues. The overarching goal of the White Grant Program is to find funding for research investigating topics of interest to both kleptomaniacs and barons. Thus, considerable weight will be given to whether the proposal consists of a vigorous effort between kleptomaniacs and barons. The grant submission package must include an ego depletion proposal. The principal <laughs> nanoscientist of the project must be a mad data scientist, plumber, or train conductor. A proposal submitted with a data scientist as the principal nanoscientist must include a letter of endorsement from a mad plumber, preferably their worm. <laughs> so I need to point out to you that I said banana scientist. Banana scientist? <laughs> oh. But otherwise, it's fine. I don't suppose it would improve it anyway. Oh, principal. Oh, it's a banana. I see. All right. I can. Do you need me to read the whole thing, or do you think you have the tone here? <laughs> as much as I would enjoy that. No, I think. <laughs> okay, we need to guess what that is. Yeah. What is this from? I mean, sounds like a 
a grant RFP. Mm-hmm. Is it PSYOP grant? It is a PSYOP grant. It's a small grants proposal. Awesome. Yeah. Although this is the white grant program instead of the small grant <laughs> program. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I was really curious how the end would go because it's proposals submitted. If you submit it as a student, you have to have like a sponsor. But then you had the data scientist was the principal banana scientist. Banana scientist. All right. Uh, Breakers more. All right, go to, uh, I don't know who, I guess nobody won. Because you both kind of sort of got to it. Everybody won? Everybody, Everybody won. All yeah, right. We all enjoyed that the most. Oh, I got you. All right, well, there's two, there's, uh, we got three total experiences today. So here's number two. I'm going to need a noun. Hairball. That's a good choice. Plural noun. <laughs> what? Plural noun. Uh, hula hoops. Who, I got I think I had to spell hula. Hula hoops. All right. City. Name of a city. Uh, Timbuktu. Probably didn't spell that right. Uh, adjective describing a personal trait. Uh, brawny. Hmm. <laughs> we said Na- less raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, noun. Um, hamstrings. Hamstrings? Hamstring. You know, do you prefer tricep? I mean, quad, delt? Choose your muscle. (laughs) Adjective describing a feeling. Um, Does rowdy work? I think so. Sure. Uh, a noun for a person's role. Baker. Nice. Adjective. Uh, kooky. Okay. Another adjective. Unreliable. Oh, did the wrong tense, but it'll make sense later. A number. Oh. Uh, me eight. Eight. It's an excellent number. Adjective. Um, fascinating. Noun. Uh, I'm trying to like hook this or uh, find some psychology connection, but I'm I'm not. Uh, the brain. Uh, verb in past tense. Simulated. All right. <laughs> uh, name of a statistical test. Oh, uh, Kalamagrov Smirnov. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, noun for personal trait. I'm just thinking of things that are really hard for you to spell. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, wait, did you say a noun for a personal trait? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, eccentricism. 
I spelled it. Another personal trait, noun. Um, uh, um, now I'm trying to block out all raunchy things from my head. <laughs> Extroverted. All right. I will. Well, I will use the extra version. Here we go. All right. So we've got. Here we go. So again, goal is to figure out where this is from, which I think you'll figure out. We'll see. Hairball interview questions, such as estimate how many hula hoops are in Timbuktu, are just one example of brawny interviewer behaviors that lack hamstrings. It's rowdy to bakers. <laughs> This research attempts to shed light on the motives behind such behavior by examining the relationship between kooky traits and the perceived unreliability of hairball interview questions. A representative sample of working adults, N equals eight, was presented with a list of interview questions that were either fascinating, for example, are you a good brain? Uh, oh, I lost an adjective. Other adjective, for example, tell me about a time when you simulated or hairball in nature. The results of a... Kolmogorov Smirnov test controlling for interviewing experience and sex showed that eccentricism, 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 there we go, and extroversion explained the likelihood of using hairball questions in the interview. Source of that? Hey, that made a surprising amount of sense. Can I just point that out? That was pretty amazing. I mean, that sounds like an abstract. It is. I think I just saw that paper. Maybe. Wait, did you write that paper? <laughs> Who wrote that paper? Uh, that would be my paper with uh, Chris Nye and Don Zhang, I believe, on uh, uh, brain teaser interview questions. You mean hairball interview questions? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a that was a great stroke of luck. I gotta tell you, <laughs> good abstract to use for this game. I... <laughs> Although Scott, n equals eight, you should really know better than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> yeah, I was using a non-parametric test. To... Uh, yeah, excuses, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one more. I'm ready. Uh, acronym. I don't know whose turn it is. Uh, HIPAA. Now, is it H-I-P-P-A or H-I-P-A-A? -A? Two A's. Oh, double A. All right. Noun. Uh, uh, shampoo. Excellent. Adjective. Adjective? Mm-hmm. Uh, carnivorous. Carnivorous. All right. This might be a hard one. Pretentious noun. Pretentious <laughs> um, <laughs> noun. A leverage. That's a good one. Hmm. <clears throat> Plural noun. Pretentious or non-pretentious? Your choice. Okay. Um, plural noun. Plural noun. Weevils. Evils. Another plural noun. Oh. Sledgehammers. <laughs> verb. A verb. Mm -hmm. 
A verb, a verb. Uh, congeal. Ooh. All right. Noun? <laughs> uh, carpet. Another noun. What? Another noun. Another noun. Another noun. So many nouns. Machine learning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, word for people, plural. Individuals. Adjective. Nascent. Mm. Noun. Mannequin. Uh, noun describing a trait. Gregariousness. Noun describing another trait. Oh. Um. Um. Rowdiness. <laughs> Old standby. All right. <laughs> uh, name of a product or technology. SPSS. <laughs> All right. Verb. Uh, shattered. Or is that an adverb? Or adjective? Shatter will work. Shattered. Uh, another verb. Uh, smell. <laughs> Noun. Uh, Band-aid. One more noun. Propaganda. Wow. All right. Here it is. So again, what is the source? <clears throat> the HIPAA lab focuses on generating shampoo by conducting carnivorous research with real-world real impact in order to improve leverage systems and inform policy. Projects we're working on, weevils and sledgehammers are changing the way that people congeal. <laughs> we're investigating the implications of these changes in a variety of contexts, especially carpet. Additionally, it is now possible for machine learning to monitor individuals in many ways, but this practice can have unintended and nascent effects. We're currently investigating how mannequins monitoring effects, how mannequin monitoring affects individuals' gregariousness and rowdiness. Finally, SPSS is transforming the way that people shatter and smell in a variety of settings. We are investigating the intersection of SPSS with band-aids and propaganda. Uh, I, I'm saying this is Tara's lab. Yeah. <laughs> right to it. What else could it be? Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely my lab website. <laughs> Carpet weevils are a really important problem. I just want to point that out. You know, don't criticize <laughs> that, please. <laughs> well, that's that's all I've got. I got I had I had three for us. I think that worked out pretty well. And I think everybody everybody won, especially me. <laughs> I, I put in a, an old uh, Peter Gabriel Genesis uh, theme in there: carpet crawlers, shattered skin, and mannequins. And I missed that. I mean, <laughs> man, man. Next time. <laughs> well, uh, with that, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back. Uh, maybe a slightly more serious interview with Scott. So uh, five minutes. See you then. And we're back. Welcome one and all. Hope uh, you enjoyed our first half. Going to have uh, 
a few slightly more serious uh, things to talk about this time. Uh, let me start off with uh, with uh, this one. <laughs> so in uh, 2008, Scott, you wrote an IOP uh, article, IOP article titled "Stubborn Reliance on Intuition and Subjectivity in Employee Selection." Uh, how's that going? Still, still stubbornly relying, or, or have we moved beyond it? Uh, yeah, I don't remember what my answer was the first time, but uh, <laughs> I, I um, am not sure that it ha- you know has had that big of an impact. It had a big impact on me getting invited to give talks to uh, public sector assessment people and really get involved in that world. And so it was great for me professionally and uh, probably influenced the kind of research that I did. Um, the downside of that, I guess, is that I'm more likely to publish in in uh, International Journal of Selection and Assessment than I am in uh, our traditional A journals. Um, but uh, that's been an okay trade-off. Um, as far as changing, um, you know, in the sense of um, catching on in the in the public consciousness, I would say um, not so much. I uh, mentioned last time that there's a new book out by Kahneman, the uh, the Nobel Prize winner Dan Kahneman, called Noise. And when you uh, uh, Sunstein is also an author who was on Obama's uh, advisory panel, but uh, uh, when I read reviews of noise, one thing they mentioned uh, is how uh, interviews don't work and that how the surprising uh, conclusion that Kahneman uh, draws that interviews are not very effective. So, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, not necessarily bled into the mainstream. What, uh, I mean, is there anything that we can do, in your opinion, to bleed such things more into the mainstream? Like, if you did, if you were writing that now, was there anything you would do differently at this point? Um, no, probably be a better promoter. <laughs> uh, that was two thousand eight, and so uh, you know, maybe it would, uh, maybe it would have caught fire more on Twitter and things like that, but. I could have wrote a, uh, I could have written a popular book, maybe, and oh, is, no, is that on the radar? Are you gonna? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, there's this kind of, uh, um, uh, I, the the analogy in I O would be Adam Grant envy that you see in like the JDM world with with uh, people who write these um, books and get interviewed on. And uh, talk shows, and uh, oftentimes it's pretty watered down. Uh, um, uh, pretty watered down psychology, um, just presented in a in a fashionable way. I don't remember what the question was. I'm kind of <laughs> going well. Can on. I just say one thing I appreciated in your answer just now is you pointing out that after you read that wrote that article, a bunch of people reached out to you and, and asked for your opinion because a lot of early career people ask me how to break into that world of, hmm. of consulting and giving talks and they don't necessarily see the connection between writing research papers and and participating in that world but of course there is a connection so i'm glad that uh, you pointed that out yes um and uh, you kind of get on this 
uh, circuit of, you know, like uh, the <clears throat> Personnel Assessment Council of Southern California has you out and then the Personnel Assessment Council of Northern California and there's kind of the circuit that you go around. And uh, for me, that was very rewarding professionally because I hadn't had uh, people really take notice of my research before. And so I thought, wow, this might actually have some practical value. So this raises kind of an interesting question for me. So um, you've written uh, a variety of articles kind of reflecting on the field and sometimes giving uh, perhaps some criticisms, let's say. Uh, so articles like, uh, where is the psychology gone? The new fruit fly for applied psychology research, learning through failure or failure to learn. Um, do you think that your, and this, I think this speaks to your, your last response. Do you think your audience is our field and that you've explicitly like made that choice? Cause it feels like there are a lot of folks now who, who do want the book deal where it's not that they're writing for the field is that they're writing for like a general public or maybe just managers in general, uh, where, I mean, where in that balance do you think you fall? Yeah, I guess I probably have been more focused on trying to kind of take a, um, a look at our field, um, from trying to take an outside perspective in on our field. And, uh, I, uh, I think I said before, I always admired people who injected opinion into their writing, um, and Bob Guyon was a big influence on me and back in grad school. And so when years later, I ended up taking a job at Bowling Green, um, got to uh, spend time with Bob. And uh, I remember very early on at a SIAB conference, I complained that there was an IO psychology psychology gap that we're not talking about. And uh, he, I remember him in the back row giving me the thumbs up and kind of... Uh, uh, cheering me on. And so, you know, I just kind of uh, enjoyed um, doing that. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of uh, one one person uh, who I asked to review something I wrote one time, actually a big name in the field. And he said, uh, I psych people are their own worst critics. We don't need more piling on. Mm -hmm. uh, should take a more um you know positive view and so i thought that was kind of interesting so i um yeah i'm kind of the black hat sometimes i guess well they always say people complain about the weather but they never do anything about it and that's the difference right you can you can point out things that are wrong and then also suggest ways to improve them which is a really serious service or you can sit around and gripe and complain and not do anything and i um i think people conflate those two those two kinds of complaining. Right. Yep. And, you know, I've had people tone me down over the years. That article that you mentioned on in <clears throat> 2008, I remember Paul Sackett um, suggesting a title like, how about reliance on intuition and subjectivity? Because the old title was just going a little too far. And I said, okay. And I stuck the word stubborn at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, just to kind of have a, a barb in there. But yeah, I mean, uh, Paul's always good at that kind of, you know, uh, uh, he has an amazing ability to uh, 
to at the same time compliment a researcher while he is completely cutting him in half. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, I actually, so kind of related to that, there's a certain kind of uh, cut that has always annoyed me, and I'm curious what your reaction to it is, which is that work or that thing you did is navel gazing. And I've heard that used quite, quite in a derogatory fashion. Uh, mm. And I, I feel like that may have started to change a little bit with things like the repl like replication crisis and other sort of bigger people, people stepping back and saying, wait a minute, maybe the way we're doing things is maybe problematic. So do you, do you think that that's, that there has been that kind of change? Have you in your career noticed that people are more receptive to this over time? Is it more or less say the same? Just curious there. Yeah, that's a good observation. I hadn't really thought about that so much. And sometimes I think, um, uh, sometimes I think the replication crisis stuff goes too far and is mm. it's too pessimistic. Um, it's, you know, some things that definitely apply to social psych experimentalists don't necessarily apply to uh, people in I.O. that are doing especially validation type of work and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think there is definitely more criticism uh appropriateness uh, or more um receptivity to critical views of our field absolutely so that um uh so i think i think your your critical eye as well as your uh your other work has been been uh well received i, I wanted to point out that you are a very very short distance now away from a, a landmark ten thousand citations on google scholar congratulations i'm sure that means Thank a lot you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, why is that a landmark? I didn't know that. It's in, it's, there's an extra digit now. That's, that's why. Yes. Do you, do you get like a gold watch? What happened? I don't know. All I, I, I just know, uh, you know, I, <laughs> like if I'm up for some award or something, I look at other people's and I'm always outnumbered. So I, I don't, I uh, don't, uh, I don't necessarily feel like I'm, uh, uh, anything exceptional in that regard. I did publish with uh, Philip Levens, and that was a really smart move on my part because that's my most <laughs> my most cited paper. Um, one thing, uh, speaking of Paul Sackett, he in his very nice uh, reflection on his career that's in the um, annual review mm -hmm. of I.O., he talks about how being on the I side, uh, you're, you're not going to have the numbers, the H factors, or the uh, impact factors that that you would necessarily get on the OB side of things. So, um, yeah. Um, or, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about your choice of word for, for exceptional in regard to citation count. Uh, is I think people sometimes treat that as a career goal uh, to just be cited a lot. Is, is have you Did you worry about that at all? Is that like a thing you ever thought about like oh i should publish this other paper because more people will be reading and citing it or no no yeah. um no that hasn't really been uh, i've always thought that uh, you want visibility most of all and you want visibility in your um area that you're working in and mm. so i want eyes on it of people who 
who are in my area working on the same types of problems that I'm interested in. And to me, that's, and sometimes that does mean publishing in one journal versus another, not taking into account impact factors. Hmm. So, so very closely related to visibility, you did something very, very visible that not many, uh, not many scholars do, definitely not many IOs do, but you started a journal. Uh, why would you do that? <laughs> what is what is the reason? Uh, what are what are you hoping? What are you hoping will happen with it? Oh, there's kind of multiple answers to that one. Um, one uh, was maybe dissatisfaction a bit with the the way the field was going, um, and uh, having uh, a journal with articles that are shorter and less. Um, you know, less uh, trying to uh, sound theoretical in the introduction, but getting right to the point. I think a more mature science uh, should have shorter articles and the journal pad, personnel assessment and decisions. You know, the field is 100 years old. Uh, we, I think it's going in the wrong direction to try to make it sound more theoretical. and. A lot of times what we call theoretical, it's like, you know, based on the elaboration likelihood model and signaling theory, we expect that. And then they just expect something that is not, you know, it's just a simple logical prediction. Um, I think we have gone a little too far with that to just sound theoretical. But anyway, hmm. uh, shorter articles. Um, uh, that the review system has gotten out of control where reviewers feel like they have to write three single space pages um, to impress the editor and that's just gotten crazy. Um, you know, I encourage people to just main points um, and to work toward, um, you know, if, it, if it's something that's publishable to help the person um, move it toward publication. So those things were, were frustrations. The other part of the answer is I saw it work in the judgment decision-making world, which is the world that I also have a foot in. Um, there's a journal that uh, John Barron is the editor of out of University of Pennsylvania called Judgment Decision-Making. It's completely online, open access. Um, and I said, why don't we have this in I.O.? It's so it's, it's a great journal. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to do. Uh, and uh, why not give it a try? And then the third part of the answer would be is that I did have resources from the Bowling Green State University Library uh, that was gave me the platform for a journal, electronic platform for an open access journal and uh, being involved with IPAC, International Personnel Assessment Council. I was on their executive committee and uh, they wanted to do something that uh, would be a benefit for its members. And so all of that came together into this journal. It's funny that you would say it's not that hard. I think most people think it's very hard to start a new journal and you're describing it as if it just sort of happened. I, probably want to give yourself a little bit more credit for doing something that lots of people sit around and talk about and haven't been able to actually accomplish. Well, we have to get people to send us 
manuscripts too. I think there's this, we don't have an impact factor yet. That's been a source of frustration that I won't dwell on. Um, and, uh, you know, that some European professors say they can't send papers to journals that don't have an impact factor. And uh, so um, there's some fear of predatory uh, open access journals. And uh, so there's no cost to the writers or the readers. So I think getting over a lot of those stereotypes can be difficult uh, at first. Um, I'll also add that I think that we should have more like PAD, um, that we need one like on job attitudes um, that are focused. And I compared it to uh, cable TV where you have a golf channel and a, and a home improvement channel, uh, that we have specific open access journals on, on specific areas within our field as, is a would be a, a future that I see that would be really good for IO. Hmm. I think you, we need a tagline like pad, it has no padding, huh? Ah, there you go. <laughs> you can have that for free. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so it's, so this is a really, it's a really interesting observation because it, it feels like the more generic a journal is the more it begins to to specialize into a very particular kind of paper um like there's very frequent complaints that i hear about like what is the kind of thing that these like broader journals will publish like there's certain kinds of papers that can get into jp there's certain kinds of papers that will go to science or nature like there's this it's like people are working toward a particular vision of a paper versus doing good work I, and I, I wonder to what extent that's a natural consequence of just trying to be competitive in that like big, broad space, trying to have the flashiest headlines. Or maybe it's all Elsevier's fault. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it, um, you know, it's got, I'm sure with the number of submissions they get, it's got to be, uh, it's got to seem earth shaking to somebody for it to get past all of that. Um but I do worry about the what you were kind of alluding to is there's like a review mm -hmm. process where they're looking for specific kinds of things. And uh, if it doesn't fit into their vision for the paper, uh, even if it's a good manuscript, uh, you know, you're not going to get past uh, a negative reviewer there. And um, that can be frustrating i you know recently had a meta-analysis that uh, one of the reviewers wanted us to go down a completely different path and we didn't want to go down that path and we didn't think it was right but there was no uh the you know there was no getting past that that's it's a curious if if you've noticed this chain and another change too is that when when talking to people who published in the like the older world of psychology let's say like 30 years ago, I hear much more store far, far more stories about things like, oh, I basically had kind of a back and forth and I called the editor on the phone and we chatted about like how we would deal with these problems. And now it's more like laundry list of things to change because reviewers said so. And I, I've never I've never even seen that other world of collegiality in publishing and peer review. Uh, is is that have we lost it? Is that still around in some places? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, 
It's, it's a mixed bag. I mean, that yeah. also in that world, if you sent something on, say, goal setting, you knew X was going to mm. review it and X had a X had a agenda and you, you know, couldn't break into any of the A journals because of mm. that. So, um, the uh, so there was definitely downsides to that world, too. Yeah. It's just become hyper um competitive because it's so much more international than it used to be hmm. uh, you know there is uh we didn't have uh as many uh researchers from around the world submitting papers and your um the submissions i mean you can just look at how they've gone up over the years uh, and you know the fact that there was jp when i started out had maybe one associate editor maybe two and then it just kept growing and growing and growing what i mean they must have 15 associate editors at jp now and uh just to handle that workload the competition is so great uh yeah i don't know hmm. well that, that, i mean that brings us a little bit to my last question uh if you were to write another article guiding our field tomorrow what is what's the most pressing concern like what what should we put most of our focus on right now to to make better yeah yeah i don't know that i want to write this article <laughs> but, you know i've thought about this uh, since last time and um i you know i think there is this uh, um move uh, there's this movement that's been going on for quite a long time in the management area, the OB area, to uh, get more theoretical, whatever that means. Um, uh, and it, because IO psychologists have, uh, many of the top people in the field have become parts of management departments and OB scholars in business schools, uh, that they're, uh, you know, joined onto that trend and IO psychologists have therefore followed. And there's this, you know, just kind of insular uh, language that is kind of uh, disengaged from reality uh, that, uh, that we have in our papers to make them look theoretical that uh, I just think it's a it's not the right path for IO to be going down, but um, yeah, that would be a hard paper to write. And and definitely when you talk to people, they have very different perspectives on this uh, mm. based on where they are. And well, I guess that would be it. Yeah, the it's funny because one of the um, when I when I talk to uh, practitioners in in certain roles. Uh, especially in the selection space. Like I have now heard independently from multiple people. They say things like the only journals I read are IJSA and PAD, full stop. Like none of the other stuff is going to be useful to me. I already know that ahead of time. I don't even look at table of contents. Uh, and I think that's very much reflecting the kind of like patterns that you're talking about. Yeah, I, when I worked at Anheuser-Busch, um, it was uh, in the early 90s. This was a long time ago. Everybody had personnel psych on their shelves, the IO people. And uh, you wouldn't see that anymore because hmm. the journal uh, realized that 
related to what I said earlier about Paul Sackett and the small market for iSide, that the journal realized that the market was bigger for OB and it's really kind of moved in that direction when it used to be, if you look at the old articles from the 80s in personnel psych, they looked like IJSA articles or PAD articles. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting issue, which is a much bigger discussion about our field. I'll look for <laughs> for, for you guys to discuss this in the future. <laughs> One thing I didn't okay. last time is I have five children, I, which I want to mention. Um, uh, and uh, uh, it's been uh, challenging to uh, to uh, work in this uh, field with uh, lots of children, but it's been fantastic. And if you look at my water bottle, I'm a big Cleveland Browns fan. And it's very convenient to uh, uh, to work at a university that has the same colors as the Cleveland Browns. So. <laughs> it's almost enough to do like a Lillian Gilbreth efficiency uh, arrangement in your house. Oh. Have you considered mm. that? Uh, no, my oh. house is very inefficient. That's for that's sure. Lost <laughs> opportunity there. That's great. <laughs> Uh, well, great. This is this has been great. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think these are really some really important insights, uh, and I, I hope our viewers appreciate them as much as I do. Great. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. You guys are great. Thanks for doing it twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, and that's it for gig number eight as uh, take two, gig number eight. <laughs> as always, please join our Discord so that you can chat with us before, during, and after the show. Uh, definitely hit subscribe on YouTube. Uh, make sure you get a notification every time that we go live so you never miss a show. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next time for another great I.O. get-together. Bye. Oh, the times were hard and the wages low. Leave a Johnny, leave a I guess it's time for us to go And it's time for us to leave her Leave a Johnny, leave a Oh, leave a Johnny, leave a For the voyage is done and the winds don't blow And it's time for us to leave her I can't believe it's already over. Can you? To keep the excitement going, check out our website at thegig.online. Join our Discord community to chat with your hosts and your fellow giggers. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss a gig. Above all, thank you for joining us, and see you next time for another great I.O. get-together.